Good afternoon. Would you turn your Bibles to the letter of James? The letter of James. It's been about three weeks, I think, since we've been in this new study, the letter of James. Now, reading is going to be this afternoon, verses 9 to 11. And as we turn there, you may, as I did the first time I read this passage before us today, is, well, I'm not rich. (laughs) And then a little further, and I'm not poor. (laughs) But then this morning when I put my shoes on for church, there were multiple pairs in there. I had so many shirts, I don't know if we choose one of them. We have two TV sets and two cars. And so in some ways we are all rich. And then I think of my fellow South African, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, the billionaire. I am poor. I am definitely poor. That's not the point. This passage is about attitudes and the attitudes of our heart. And God's word is written for our instruction. Let's read together James chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat. And withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. It's a different kind of text today, and so it's going to be a different kind of sermon. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in our introduction and a bit of a recap, because it's been a while since we got into this book of James Right after the introduction to this letter, we notice that James goes right into it and introduces the subject of the sufferings and trials of many kinds uh, to the believer. And it brought to us, James brought to us, really something which was old, but a new perspective really on trials that the believer can have, that it is in fact a matter of great joy. God has a purpose for every trial in our lives, and the outcome we observed was a matter of pure joy. What was the outcome? It was for the strengthening of our faith and the subsequent development of perseverance, steadfastness in our lives. And then James, as I warned you in the beginning, he throws out all of these subjects, but as we study and as we continue through this letter, we'll see these subjects will come up again and again in the book. He spoke about, the, he introduced to us the whole subject of godly wisdom in the Christian's walk and particularly in facing trials of many kinds. The wisdom to discern trials from a Christian perspective and the glorious end that is intended, the perfect man not lacking in anything. And we noted, like all God's gift, wisdom is given generously to all who ask without finding fault. And wisdom, we saw, comes to the believer through the word of Christ and through his Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom and of truth. 
today, and I guess you can start seeing how all these are connected in the perspective of trials and persecution in this early church, to the churches in the dispersion. Today we see a reference to both the rich and the poor in the church. And you've often wondered at this, and many people continue to ask this question, this, how do you explain the large disparity between the rich and the poor? And in the church, how, much, how must the very rich and the very poor interact and coexist in the church? In chapter 2, when he comes back to this topic, we see some of the problems that came about because of very affluent and rich coming about through the sin of partiality that he deals with there. And in chapter 3, there's a warning against worldliness and those who have everything money can buy. And in chapter 4 or 5, there's a direct warning to the rich. So these churches, this was something that was common, the problems that we will confront us here in the letter of James. And all these issues in the church causing quarrels and fights which the Holy Spirit through James addresses with an emphasis throughout this letter as we'll see the close connection between faith and works, words and actions for the believers in these early, in this, these early churches. And certainly all these subjects that we discuss even today are more than pertinent for the church throughout all ages and the church today in the 21st century and here in La Mirada. So let's come specifically our text in verses 9 to 11. What we're going to see today is two classes of people in the church during a time of persecution. And as is often the case, it is the poor, those in a lowly state that seem to be more afflicted, particularly in a persecuting climate. And it seems even today, isn't it so, that the scales of justice seem to be tipped in favor of the affluent and the privileged classes and those who've got lots of money and can afford the most expensive lawyers when they come become big, faced with trouble. And throughout our human history, the history of the human race, uh, there have been, in our history, there have been uprisings and civil wars in this country. The French Revolution is an excellent example, and more recently, the apartheid struggle in South Africa, where I am from. These have all been attempts to right the wrongs of class and race, and disparity between rich and poor, and the equality of all people, something which the United States is in our constitution, that we are all in fact equal. And James and other apostles addressed some of these things in the early church. But today, two classes of people. Firstly, those who are lowly, the poor, and the humiliated in this world, and particularly those because of trials or persecutions, they were suffering more, if you read between the lines. And the second class of people, the brothers, who are rich in this world and seemingly unaffected by trials, as the poor are, and poverty, 
and persecution. And the same way as we came to suffering and trials for the believer, again today we'll see that the wisdom of God goes against worldly and conventional wisdom, which encourages the world to act the exact opposite way in which the church tells us to react for the believer, namely the poor, humiliated, afflicted, boast, says James, in your low estate. This is your exaltation, and you rich, humble yourselves, boast in your humiliation. Both are to rejoice and even boast in their respective commands. And brothers and sisters, again, when we come to any of these subjects, we hold before us one who, though he was in the bosom of the Father, the eternal Son, became man. And he knew what it was to walk this earth as a perfect man. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So we hold always before us the example of Christ. Before we come to the actual commands to these two groups of people, we ought to take note, as you come to the text, two things. The first thing is that James is addressing Christian brothers. He's addressing both the poor and the rich in the church. That's important. Secondly, he's not insinuating that it, that it is only the poor or the lowly that are brothers. He's not addressing the rich in the world, those outside the church, but the wealthy brother in the church. And so the wealthy man, as much as the poor man, can be a partaker of the grace of God. Note in verse text in verse 9, it says, Let the lowly brother boast in, and then verse 10, and the rich in. Though it doesn't say that, I believe this is the sense of these two verses. Paraphrased, we would perhaps say this, the first verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in, and then we'd come to 10, and the rich in, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and let the rich brother boast in his humiliation, because like the flower of the field, he will pass away. Telling us what? That they are both brothers in the church, one in lowly in his outward condition, in his physical state he is poor and he must boast in something, and the other is outwardly rich and he too must boast in something. We are talking about brothers. And in the Christian church, uh, uh, the word brother is only ever used of those who are in the faith. The New Testament portrays the Christian brother as the truest friendship and brotherhood that must exist among God's people. Above your own family, above race, above class, above, above earthly status, above rich and poor. 1 Corinthians 16.20 All the brothers send you greetings. All the brothers, everybody in the church, whether black or white or purple or yellow or rich or poor or governors or poor farmers, whatever it may be. The grace of God extends to the poor 
and the rich and all other classes of people indiscriminately by God's sovereign grace and choice. Galatians chapter 3, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Now we do need to pay attention and heed the warnings of Scripture, since there are so many more obstacles to riches. And we know this, the Scriptures make it clear, the love of money is the root of all evil. And the deceitfulness of riches, both the rich and the poor, can fall foul to these snares in different ways. And you remember the words of our Savior who said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through that camel's entrance, that eye of the needle in the wall of Jerusalem. But with God all things are possible. Now let's consider this as some background to the book and where we're going. Let's consider the biblical instruction to these two classes of people in the church. And then as we go, consider some lessons and applications in our lives and a few more lessons at the end. Let's consider in the first place, number one, and uh, these Two points only are, are pretty short. Number one, let godly submission and humiliation of the lowly lead to exaltation. Let godly submission and humiliation of the lowly lead to exaltation. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. The scriptures teach us it's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And that's Proverbs 16. And as James contrasts the rich in this text to those in low condition, that is how we know they're talking about the poor condition as their state, not the state of their heart, but their state of their wealth. And we need to consider also, as I mentioned, the climate of persecution in the church at this time. The implication is not merely poor, as may be the state of many in the world and even in the church, but in particular the poor for Christ, those persecuted and afflicted, often as uh, often expressed in the scriptures by humility and humiliation, those who are oppressed and afflicted. Our text says, let the lowly brother this is a command. This is a directive. Let the lowly brother, but it's kind of a group statement, isn't it? It's not, hey, you the lowly brother, but rather, church of Jesus Christ, let the lowly brother. In other words, let the church facilitate this. Bring the lowly brother up. Encourage him to accept his lowly state. He is poor. He is poor in state, as opposed to a very rich man in the church, and we see this come up in James afterwards. Exalt him in this, encourage him, let him take joy in this, 
as it is from God's hand. And brothers and sisters, this is an important lesson for us. That God has placed you where he has. And God has put you in a state that you are. And that state may change as you work and, and travel through life. That state may get better. Or that state may get worse. But exalt the lowly brother. Especially in terms of persecution. And we read, we read elsewhere in the New Testament scriptures. Those persecuted while in prison their property was confiscated. And perhaps some of these very poor were those very people. It's from God's hand. Make it a matter of boasting. Particularly when you're afflicted for the gospel. Those who suffer affliction or the state of being poor, do not murmur. Do not murmur about afflictions or being under afflictions or endeavor by any means to come out of this. I'm going to buy a lotto ticket every week until I'm rich. I'm sick of being poor. It's easy to murmur. But boast of them for Christ's sake. Because God has put me here as a privilege of the worth of our Christian privilege. Let him look upon his privileges as a matter of boasting. As the apostle puts it, it is a sharing in the sufferings of Christ when we suffer for him. There's a wonderful example of the church in Macedonia. And this is heartwarming and this is such a great lesson when they were collecting money for the churches. Who was the church that did the best? It was the ones who were the poorest. In spite of extreme poverty and affliction, it resulted in a harvest of generosity on their part for the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 1, you may know the passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that was given among the Macedonian churches. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, no murmuring, their abundance of joy under a severe test of affliction and their extreme poverty. The abundance of affliction and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The poor and the afflicted. The scriptures teach us in many places God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. And the humble state, those in a humble state are blessed when it is accompanied by a humbleness of spirit. Because many are humble in state, but their hearts are hard, and their wills are unbent. This is your exaltation. So rejoice in your suffering, in your poverty, in your affliction. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, the church is to lift up the lowly in state and in heart, and encourage them in that lifting up. It is a privilege to suffer and to be lowly for the name of Christ. And he, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9 is a wonderful verse, verse. For he knows, he knows. When you're afflicted, God knows. Saint, when you're brought low, 
not because of your own sin, but you are brought low in state, and the providences are heavy on your life, Christ knows. In Revelation 2 verse 9, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, but you are rich. The church must be careful not to despise the poor, and especially those who are a part of God's church and whose afflictions are on account of their faith. This problem of the rich and the poor comes up all over Scripture. And the Lord's Supper, which we will partake of soon, you remember the problem in the Corinthian church? They were thinking rich in the church. And they were those who could not even afford a meal. You remember 1 Corinthians 11. What? Do you not have houses to drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? This was happening in the church. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. It's Christ's words. We need to remember, brothers, whether it's about earthly poverty or afflictions, the state of our hearts towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. God may set his people in the lowest rank of men, as was our Savior's experience. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what of our Savior? He was rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created all things. And what is it? He humbles himself and came to earth as a man. And then what? He was despised and afflicted. Man of sorrows, accounted with grief. He was one from whom men hide their faces. They were embarrassed of him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. The vilest and lowest conditions we find ourselves in does not excuse us from murmuring. Though lowly and poor, yet you may rejoice in the Lord your God. You remember King, King David. What a great king and how big he was and wonderful he was in spite of his sin and the things. What happens at the end of the life? He's fleeing from his own son Absalom, barefoot across the Kidron brick. And he's running from his own son. And in his affliction, he cries out what? Oh God, you are a shield to me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. Brothers and sisters, when we are afflicted, God is with us and he knows us. And we must glory in our, in our sufferings and in our afflictions and in our poverty, if that's ever our case. We may glory in this, that we belong to him. He is our shield. He's our glory and the lifter of our head. Manton says, you cannot sink so low as to be past the help of spiritual comforts. You cannot sink so low as to be past the help of spiritual comforts. But how and what are the lowly to boast in? Well, let's make it clear. Two things, what they may not boast in, two things what they may boast in. This applies to every one of us. Two things we may not boast in. We may not glory in ourselves. We may not glory in ourselves, our self-worth or our self-merit. Look at me. Look what I've gone through. I've had cancer, you know, and I came through and I'm strong. 
brothers and sisters, whatever our affliction, whatever our state, we may not glory in ourselves, our self-worth or our merits. As the rich and influential sometimes consider themselves different and a more privileged class, they are not. They are not. Because the gospel levels the playing fields, if you like. The humble are raised and the rich are lowered. Corinthians had something to say about class distinctions. So this is nothing new. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you received it, then why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Brothers and sisters, for the Christian, all self-boasting is evil. For all that we have, we receive from the hand of God. And Romans teaches us that in our salvation, what then of boasting? And Paul says all boasting is excluded by the law of faith. And the low are brought up and the rich are humiliated. Second, the second thing we may not boast of, we may not feed pride and hold it over others. And I've touched on this where we say, I've done so well. I've come through so many afflictions. Priding in your low condition or in your lifting up both of good, for the good of your souls. But they do not elevate us above others. And, and I love this passage in Isaiah where he kind of brings a humor into this. And there's even some some uh, spiritual songs made after this verse who say keep to yourself don't come near me for i'm too holy for you you know what god says these are smoke in my nostrils a fire that burns all the day no brothers and sisters in and of ourselves and our state and our afflictions whatever we have there is no boast in the believer but our boast is, secondly, there's two things we may boast in. Two things. Our boast is in God. To glorify God and never exalt self. We may glorify God, never exalt self. Psalmist cries in Psalm 34, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. The believer's only legitimate boast is in the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 9, thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, Justice, righteousness in these things, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. The believer's boast is in his God. And the second thing, and you've probably guessed this one, what may we boast of? We may boast, we must boast in the cross of Christ and the value of those privileges to us as believers. We boast in the cross of Christ. I boast that on the cross my sins are forgiven. I boast that the one poor and afflicted, every spiritual blessing, the heavenly places has been poured out on me. This is what we may 
boast of. Galatians 6 and 4. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Spiritual treasures and inward riches are the best comforts to the soul. James chapter 2 and verse 5 and we'll get there. Listen my beloved brothers. Has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? Humble spirit, humble and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Our second point, the second directive that is to the poor, to the rich, let worldly status and exaltation of the rich lead to humiliation. Let worldly status and exaltation of the rich lead to humiliation. Remember, I paraphrase, let the rich brother boast in his humiliation, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. So the poor man, rejoice that you are spiritually exalted, and the rich that he is, though outwardly rich, Spiritually humbled. Grace makes them both even and alike before God. They stand on the same level. The poor that is low, that he is exalted, and the rich that he is high, that he is humbled. To both then a matter of joy and glory and boasting in the grace of God. This is about the attitude of of the heart and we know that there are charges in scripture several charges in scripture particularly to the rich evidence of the danger of the deceitfulness of riches and the importance of a humble spirit and directives to use their wealth for the good of God's people and through the glory of his name and first Timothy is a great one to go to I'm not going to say much on this point first Timothy 6 as for the rich in this present age, charge them, basically, to humble themselves. Not to be haughty, because that comes naturally with money and fame, the fancy car and the fancy shoes. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. To be rich, yes, in good works. To be generous and ready to share. And that way they are storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future. That they too may take hold of that which is truly life. These brothers in these churches who exalted and face it and we'll get there in James. He says, a rich man comes into church. The governor arrives with his, with his bodyguards and whatever. We're going to make room for him, aren't we? Governor's here today. Bring him in. This is what happens in jail. The brothers in these churches exalted in the eyes of men, particularly that seem to have escaped persecution, perhaps because of their high standing and their lofty position or the influence of their riches, are not to trust in their riches or in their elevated status, but to 
humble themselves and to boast in this humiliated position as God's grace to them. Why? Because riches are here today and gone tomorrow. Why? Because riches are like the flowers of the grass. They are so transient and quick. Have you seen the flowers of the grass? No, because they're here tonight. Tomorrow they're gone. You don't see. I think these little puff-like candy things are flowers for the grass. For the sun rises with its scorching heat, withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits, his earthly pursuits. And here I thought of examples of rich men in the scriptures who entrusted with great riches. And they had to learn, some by bitter experience, to humble themselves before God. To learn by being brought low, to trust and exult in God alone. To glory in Him, even in their humiliation. And of course Solomon is one man. In spite of his great riches, in spite of Solomon's wonderful wisdom, he was stripped of the kingdom. 600 wives. And what happened? In his old age, they turned him away from following after God. And he followed after false gods. Job is another wonderful lesson. A righteous man before God. who lost near everything but his life from being one of the richest men the most respected men in the land to being destitute sitting on a dung heap and scraping the boils off his body he is brought low but he trusts in god though he slay me i will hope in him in verse chapter 13 again in chapter 19 for i know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. And then, you know the story of Job. God speaks to him in the end. And he silences himself. And he is humbled even further. Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm of small account. I've spoken once. I shall not, uh, uh, what shall I answer you? I shall lay my hand upon my mouth. I've spoken once and I will not answer. Twice that I will speak no further. Brothers and sisters, even the rich need to be brought low. And whatever our state upon the earth, when I'm low, when I'm exalted, when I'm humble, let your boast and your glory be in the Lord he is the one who brings princes to nothing, who raises the destitute from the dung heap in exaltation. And Christian brothers and sisters, remember that we at the last, at the end, shall all be raised up to reign with him. As sons, we will be fellow heirs with Christ and receive that crown of righteousness which the Lord which God has promised to those who love him. There then the attitudes, the conflicts that we will see and more in the book of James. Our attitudes to be humble if in state or not to be humble in heart. 
and know that God has put us in whatever state he deem fit. And God will afflict upon us whatever afflictions are best and good for us. And yet our boast must remain in the Lord alone. He's my shield. He's my glory and the lifter of my head. Not when things are going well, when I'm brought low, when my own son wants to kill me. He's my shield, my defender. He's my glory and the lifter of my head. I'm going to close with five other lessons, just quickly give them to you. Five lessons and applications. Never argue with providence. Someone mentioned this in the quarterly, you may remember from the sermon. Never argue with providence. And never use your suffering or your low condition as an excuse to sin. Never use your low condition or your suffering as an excuse to sin. How easy we go on our child when something terrible has happened. And they can be as bad as bad can be and deserve that. But we go easy on them and we look the other way perhaps. Never use your suffering and your affliction and your state as an excuse for sin. It's not your misery but your sinful passions which cause you to sin. It's not your misery but your sinful passions which cause you to sin. And when you've had a migraine all day and your wife, husband comes in your wife comes in to the husband who's had the migraine all day you snap at him you nasty at him you scold him for something never an excuse to sin it is your passions that cause you to sin number two no matter how low your condition or how great your affliction we are never beyond the spiritual comforts of God's word. No matter how low our condition, no matter how great our affliction, we are never beyond the spiritual comforts of God's word. God is your shield, He's your glory, the lift of your head. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time He will exalt you. First Peter five at verse eight. Number three, number three, when you are brought low. When you are brought low, refresh your hearts with the sense of your privileges. When you are brought low, when everything goes wrong, when your afflictions won't leave you, when sadness comes, refresh your hearts with the sense of your privileges. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has forgiven us our sins. No matter how bad we have been. No matter how gross our offense against God has been. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sorry did I say five. They were four. Fourthly and finally. Our only boast is to be the cross of Christ. Our only boast is to be in the cross of Christ. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord, the, our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I took the world.
Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word which is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh Lord, our hearts are stubborn. Our wills are stubborn. We are full of sin every day. And we need to be constantly humbled and brought low. Lord, we thank you even for our afflictions. When we are brought low, when we are low in state, when we are are low because of afflictions, you are our God, you are a shield, you are the lifter of our head, and we thank you that our boast can be in our God, that our boast can be in the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord, for there our sins are forgiven. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.